Are you ready to pop? Are you ready to pop? Are you ready to pop? Wow. Nobody's ready to pop? No. Not anymore. I was. I was until that started. I was trying to flow in from the beat. I just know how it's going to lay. And I was like, maybe this song will work. Like, intro. These are new, fancier mics. I can't really... So that's what cued up the, the song. I just felt like I had to... Are you ready to pop? Oh, man. You know, everybody's got a little something going on. Well, we should we should make a more formal introduction to that third <laughs> voice that right. our listeners don't know. Well, maybe True. they know. You've we chimed have to, in a couple times. The actual introduction. Oh, this is... I, well, I have a fake tag. I don't oh. know if you noticed. Okay. What is it? <laughs> you guys... Li- you listen to the podcast after it's done? Yeah, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> And Wait, where are they available? Like <laughs> but where would Thank you me. listen to the podcast? I don't listen to the, the very I end all the time. I can't listen to my own voice. Well, maybe that's because I gotta edit it. But so that's but you still, gotta edit my voice. I listen. No, I listen. <laughs> that's cool. Sometimes, yeah, I understand. But I do hear some like random like when we got the gems dropping, and then anytime your name is mentioned, how like. So what's your tag? It's Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Like straight <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna take out my voice on that and just put the tag there. Oh, that's cool. How that works? No, no that. samples that we need to clear for that. True. I mean, talking maybe, to two maybe lawyers. I shouldn't have mentioned it, but <laughs> it's in all of them. We haven't gotten in trouble yet. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the Industry Standard Podcast, yeah. Episode Four. You are here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Eddie Sanders. I'm Josh Kaplan. Don and- Julio. Hey. So, if you are a uh, avid fan of the podcast, you probably haven't heard this voice before. So, Don, what's up? Who? What? what we got the mic. What? Tell the people why you got the mic. Who? You, who are you? Man? Yeah, man, I'm a homie that cool. uh, engineers and been recording the podcast, and I'll do a little mixing on the side, a little recording. Yeah, I'm part of the Classic Studios squad. Shout out to Classic Studios. Yes, always. sir. Um. So yeah, we always we got we got Don in here, mic'd up because sometimes it's good to have that uh that other perspective. Sometimes as For lawyers sure. we can get to talking to each other and we start droning. Yeah, and then we start downloading and people are like, yo, what are they talking about? Yeah. So you're a good little like referee to be like, all right, yeah. <laughs> hold cut <on>. it. <laughs> <laughs> With it. Um, before we get into any other topics or anything, I have to definitely give a rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Um, I'm ex- I'm glad that we were able to the way this works out timing wise it was later on in the process of like now actually being able to say something uh because i was crushed when it first news broke you know just being a a fan of not only just his music but his business acumen and the way he moved in the industry and the things that he did for the community i was like oh my god this is this is a crushing blow to the community and to see the the positive effects from it, the unification of the gangs in L.A., um, the su- the support from all the other cities showing towards his family. It's like, all right, this is actually one of those blessing in disguise moments where you're like, great from this great loss, we have a, a great gang. You know, yeah. so definitely want to give uh, my condolences to the family. Um, I was able to hear a clip from his mother, and it gave me a good sense of like the stock that he was from. Then hearing like his, her words of encouragement to all of us as fans of his music and be telling us like not to mourn and to appreciate the work that he's done and to continue on that. It's like okay, 
that now I see the, where this man came from, and it's it was actually eye opening and dope. To, to it was eye opening aspect of like, all right, I have to now as a person. I you think about your leaving your mark and like what your mark's gonna be like now yeah. when you see a, like how people poured out this love for Nipsey. You're like, okay, I too have to like move in that way. So, yeah, I felt like it was a shock. Uh... But it was also you felt how much of the impact he had pretty early on, um, you know, despite whatever uh, theories there were before actual facts came out. Um, you just saw that the, he had a huge impact on on everybody. Uh, I I wasn't necessarily a huge fan, but um, I definitely was aware of of his contributions to his community and everything. Um, but yeah, it was an unfortunate situation. I think that um, the, those around him are definitely everybody he's impacted is carrying on that legacy and making sure you know people know what Nipsey was about. We definitely gonna keep moving with the the news of Nipsey and just moving into the impact uh, of his music. We're looking at the Billboard charts. It's number two with Victory Lap, um, and then. Four other mixtapes that came out starting in like 2013. We have Mailbox Music, The Marathon, uh, The Crenshaw Project, and then Slauson, Slauson 2. Um, all four of those mixtapes are now on Billboard. Yeah, we've, we've talked about how people in the news for not such good things get more streams and more attention. And, but, and also after death that seems to happen as well and obviously it had a huge impact on nipsey who was like well known and successful but not to this degree he never had five, five charges yeah. yeah i mean never had five projects that charted so it's especially you know it sucks the whole thing sucks right that we're celebrating his life when he was what 33 years old and nowhere near done making his mark or anything like that but the i guess the another silver lining in it is that the guy was smart enough to realize that his music was his legacy and he could make a living off of that music for a long time if he owned and controlled it. And that's what he did. So now the success of that music is helping his family and everybody else that was involved. So yeah, that's an important aspect right there to understand like he is in control of his masters and his publishing. So all those royalties that are collected now are going to the family. And it's not a situation where a Sony or an Atlantic can sit back and say, okay, now we're going to release a greatest hits album and try and just profit upon his death and get right. a large percentage of that now. No, anything of these streams he sells is going to the family. So that's super important for artists to understand um, that aspect of legacy and saying, all right, how long can this music last? And knowing that it can last past your death, essentially, we know how long copyrights last. So, yep. you know securing those rights because you never know when a situation like that might occur and, you're, and you want your family to be able to benefit off of that. For sure. Yeah, so I mean, I, and I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he kept all of those rights for as long as he did. He was doing so well on his own that when he did, because he did label situations. Right. But he was doing well on his own, so he had the power to be able to say, no, okay, I'm going to get into this agreement with you but i'm gonna still yeah. maintain ownership of my master yeah because i mean a lot of times you'll you'll see very successful artists buying back their publishing or buying back their masters but 
to be at that level and to still own it, you know, and maybe just pay a distributor uh, 10% rather than taking home 12 to 20% after the, you know, after your advances recoup from a major label, that's, that's a significant amount of money that he's earning. But the thing is, that's, that's them, him going in hot. So we have a difference between like a big pop star that signed the deal, became great, and then they bought back the masters. He developed his, his following before the labels. So he had the, the power. So that's a lesson to these artists as well. Like, build up your, your leverage before you go and sit down with these labels because then you have more power as far as saying, yo, I want to stay in ownership of my masters or these are the terms that I'm agreed to as opposed to just them hitting you with the industry standard contract, you know? Ding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think leverage is definitely an important word uh, for people to really focus in on if they're starting their own stuff and going to labels and everything you need that leverage you got to have something of your own going on so you can walk away if the deal is terrible right recognizing that the deal is terrible is not always the easiest thing but yeah being able to say hey i don't i don't need a loan right that's what an advance is i don't need a loan right now i'm good i'm making money on you know shows or uh, my merchandise and you guys want to spend a bunch of money on marketing and advertising cool do that but you know you get 10 percent, or you get you know you get 15 percent, and i own everything and it's a license that's that's a boss move for sure definitely i mean he was he was a boss so just the the aspect of how he bought up the where he unfortunately passed away at bought one store and he was just selling teas and music out of that so he had that record store feel already he understood the understanding of like okay i'm going to create my own brick and mortar station for me to sell my product as opposed to just running off to somebody else to press right. up his cds or whatever the case may in be in his hometown yeah. where he grew up yeah i love it yep um uh, also on billboard we have my new favorite hit <laughs> mine too <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even have a voice but i'm definitely gonna uh Trying to figure one out for the summer. Yeah. But uh yeah, Old Town Road. So I mean you you're rocking a cowboy hat right now. Yeah, I mean And Wranglers, right? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we have this record, man. Like, first off, I'm I'm wondering why they took it off the country music charts, but and that's a conversation within itself. The original version that came out and the fact that it was charting so well on the country side. Uh, I'm gonna ask you: Have you got into? Because I know you have to do it with like Grammy submissions and all that. Have you ever gotten to that situation where you didn't classify a song the right way when you were uploading it, saying that it was? I don't. I mean, R&B Eddie, record and it wasn't blues. I, and, I don't make mistakes like that. I feel no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, of course, I make mistakes, but uh, no, I haven't been in that situation where we've had to classify something for a particular genre. Grammys are weird um, in terms of how do they categorize things, and they all have like just like everything else in music it's confusing they all have their sort of their own categorization for things um so i you know i don't know how billboard determines what is a country song versus what is a pop song especially with all the crossover that's happening you know and yeah i have no idea honestly how they how they classify that and so now old town road the remix with billy ray cyrus 
isn't it's it, number one on Hot 100. Yeah, now. but isn't that country? Billy Ray Cyrus. You can't get more country than Billy Ray yeah. Cyrus, right? Achy breaky heart. I remember that shit. Everybody. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, number one overall on Billboard's about as good as you can get, right? right? So, so who cares? Uh, who about cares? The country chart. Yeah. Now. But I. I mean, the song. It's I think it just was one brilliant of those... on his aspect of like even starting the conversation by getting it through the country lane, right? Because I don't think I would have come across this song if it was just on the hip-hop charts or anything like that. Right. So the whole controversy made this song what it is. For sure. So it's very smart of him to be like, all right. I mean, the song's got that one, like it's one of those viral songs, right? Where it's just like, I can't really define why it's so catchy and why it's so good, but it just is. No profanity as well. Right. Perfect for radio. He's about to get that kid's bop money. No kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope he's making more than the kids on kid's bop at this point. But is he now with... Billy Ray coming into the scene. Well, yeah. So that brings up a good point, right? You you get you get all these. I mean, there's barely I don't know on the charts right now how many songs don't have a feature on it, right? I mean, that is the formula, right. especially in hip hop, right, or pop for that matter. Yeah, there's a bubbling six. song. You remix it, it takes it to the next level, right? Yeah. Right, or yeah. So you could release a song with you know just as a solo artist, and then you add somebody to it. But so typically, what'll happen is you bring in. Billy Ray Cyrus, who adds a verse to it or adds a new hook or adds some lyrics to it. Something, yeah. yeah, so what'll happen is it'll be a new composition, so it's a new copyright, right? A derivative of the original, and there'll be separate publishing for that version. And I'm sure Billy gets, uh, you know, maybe 25% because he wrote one verse. We think he wrote it. I assume he wrote it. There could yeah, have been see, another. There could have been another writer. I haven't if, looked at the I registration because that's that's going down right now. It's like rap feature of 2019 right for now. For sure, like, he smoked that one. Yeah, no, and he'll be I'm on a, a bunch more too. Now. Yeah, yeah. Billy <laughs> I, just. I wonder who's calling Billy Ray now. Like, oh, he just I, resurrected his career. Somebody's calling Billy. Yeah, yeah. like okay. Uh, Billy I mean, his Ray? daughters are doing pretty well themselves, and then they're giving Molly, a shout out Molly to that. Didn't get the the same response within the urban culture. No. Yeah. <laughs> with her neither of them have a number one right idea. now. Yeah, but Billy Ray does. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I, I, how the master would work on that is still going to be owned by whoever owned the original, um, which I don't know if that was released through a label. I'm not, I don't know. How I don't that know if that song was. is released. But anyway, we can look it up. But uh, whoever owns the original master owns that. And then they would pay Billy Ray as a featured artist and get some sort of advance uh, on the master side, maybe get a little percentage on the back end of it once it's recouped. But he stands to make the majority of his money from publishing, from owning a, a piece of that composition. And now Little Nas X is his career is taking off now, you know, because yeah. that's all. You well, get, I mean, who's he signed to? That's what I'm wondering. I don't. I don't remember who he's got to find out. Signed to. We can look it up. But yeah, so I mean, that that's when when you're bringing in a feature, you just you're just slicing up the pie in a bunch of different ways, and you're hoping that your song goes <laughs> to to number one on whatever chart you're you're shooting for. Oh, it's Columbia. Oh, all right. So Columbia is Columbia's psyched. So Columbia is <laughs> making money on uh, Columbia is making money on the original, and then they're making money on the remix, and uh, whatever royalty rate Little Nas X is getting, you know, he's doing well. And then uh, yeah, Billy Ray comes in on his horse. Shout out Billy Ray. So he has a. A second remix too, right? The Young Thug. Yeah, he's doing. He's gonna do a Young Thug version as and, well. And the album is like 
I think I saw it on Twitter where it's just... It's almost like a maxi single where it's like... 20 it, versions of the same song? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like six or seven versions of the same Man, song. Man, isn't that just going to burn it out? It yeah. probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the idea here. They're like, they probably heard the rest of the records and yeah. they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to milk this one right now yeah. until we can figure out a plan for what we're going to do. I mean, they got to do a Latin version, right? Because I don't think they were ready, <laughs> right? I don't think they were ready for this kid to do this. So now Columbia's like, okay, we got to put together a plan and some more. They dropped the acapella, they dropped the instrumental. When's the last time you heard somebody putting out like the acapella instrumental version? Yeah, so you're just going to get producers and DJs just flipping it. Yeah. And Man, next summer just you're just gonna uh, really one hate of those phenomenons you just can't really explain, and everybody's gonna try to replicate it now. But it also shows. I mean, the song is how long? It's only like it's under two minutes. Yeah, man, that's the future too. That is definitely like the attention span of music now. It's like third verse. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, no, we're that's eliminated. We're just no, getting I, right to the point. I just got a, a demo from one of our clients, and it was four minutes and twenty six seconds. And I'm like, I mean... You thought it was an episode of Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's the commercial break in this, man? Uh, and it's a great song, but, you know, nobody's going nobody's gonna to listen to that for that long anymore. Kids don't have the, the attention span. I mean, Tierra Whack. Tierra Whack? Yeah, Tierra Whack. Right? Yeah. Well, Sam her whole hip. project was almost like... I don't know, every song was a minute. Some, yeah, it was like 20-something minutes, 15, yeah, she, 16 songs. Like, she's cold. But it was super raw, though. Like, it, yeah. Are you seeing that, too? More, like, shorter songs of people just coming in, like... Yeah, I encourage just, it. I encourage... Well, of course 20, you do. It's less 20. work for you, right? That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I want to help in every way when I'm working with an artist. So it's, most of the time, it's like... Okay, let's keep this short and sweet. Unless you got like something really incredible that you're gonna do in the last, you know, minute and a half or whatever it yeah. is. So yeah, yeah, you better be coming minutes. with Bohemian Rhapsody. True, but right. I mean, no, standard, standard, uh, th <laughs> three minutes, and it's like once it's past three minutes, usually people are drop off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I used to like I had to learn that in law school because you know they make you recite cases, back to the professor and all that. I would just get to a powerful point, make my point. The professor did something cool. I'm done talking. I'm not just going to keep <laughs> rambling good. on saying something to mess this thing up. Yeah. But get to the point and get out of there. I think that is that's... A, that is a tough skill to have in the legal world where people just think the more verbose you are, the smarter you are, which is complete opposite. Like the hardest contracts to write are the shortest one one two pagers right you know which saying? everybody wants to oh, give me a one pager and i'm like uh, well I... you're trying to sign this guy to a publishing deal <laughs> like, for I one can, page i can get both your names yeah. and maybe some addresses Man, it's but... gonna be tiny font <laughs> real tiny yeah maybe they should do that because i put them in like six point be like what you <laughs> that's what you asked for uh so mr engineer What's have that? you heard about uh prince's old engineer i did George Ian uh, Boxhill. George Ian Boxhill, old former engineer for Prince, decided to upload some unreleased versions of songs. Well, just unreleased masters of Prince music. Um, the state asked him not to. He decided anyway, just upload it to some streaming services. Got sued. Federal judge said, hey, you're on the hook for $4 million. Copyright infringement. Copyright infringement. So... Do most sound engineers have like four million dollars just hanging around? Yeah, Don. 
Like I know you look the, <laughs> look up the Forbes list of sound engineers. I did after I saw that. I'm like, hey, he's got that. Um, but I don't know why he would do that. I thought it was a case of a label or something asking him. Say uh, three or four people come in and work on a record, and you got a producer, you got an artist, and you got you know a couple of writers or something, and. It's been six months, nine months, and somebody, one of them comes and asks you for, oh, I need the masters for this or that. There was no contract, and I'm just sitting here with a hard drive, and one of the clients is asking. So what I usually do is whoever paid for the session, I'll probably contact them first. You know, when there's nothing clearly stated, who owns what, and I have no idea if someone's asking me for something. But if this guy's just uploading under his own yeah, music. Like, yeah. he hit us with the alias and was like they'll never catch me <laughs> yeah like, i mean bro, it's, it's like... one thing like you said don like it's one thing if you know i'm hiring you to do a session for artists that we manage and then i'm like hey i need that even if you're not under contract with us you know that i paid for it it makes common sense you can send it to me it's another thing to go on a cd baby or distro kid and upload the music yourself. Yeah, that was just a straight and be like, act surprise. Like, yeah, what do you think's gonna happen, man? And that's yeah, not an unknown artist. People were just searching Prince randomly. Like, come on, you don't think like they won't find this new music when it pops up? So they they, they took it down immediately. Yeah, they got it down now, but they still. That's who, what the base of the three million was. Who told so. him that was a good idea? Nobody. Somebody had. To. Yeah, maybe it's like somebody had to say like. Yeah, there's, there's, there's always that someone one was in his ear. Like, you know what you should do? Forget them. Upload it. Yeah. What they gonna do to you? Yeah. Yeah. What are they gonna do? Four million dollars. That's what we're gonna do. Four million dollars. But like, I mean, I don't. Do you think it was like a, I'm gonna get rich quick off of this because he registered it like as he was the owner, so all the revenue would have come to him, or was it more like a you know, f off to the estate, and this is what Prince would have wanted because he knew him like that? Like, yeah, I don't that, know the backstory. They, he well only cut. These records from like 2003, 2006. Okay. So I don't see him being like his main guy. He may have just cut these records and it, it feels more like a let me make some money. Yeah. And well, how do you expect not to be found out? Yeah. Cause if you're, if, if you're not trying to make money off of anything, then you would release it in a different format. You would just do a Tumblr I mean, post or something crazy. You're it's like, copyright infringement, right? Like the yeah. guy, it's not a, it's not a crime. But it, I mean, the guy thought like a criminal, right? Like I, I, I just can go back to a personal story of being robbed, and the guy that robbed us broke into our house, and he sold everything at a pawn shop that was half a block away from our house. Like, come on, dude! Like you're you're gonna get caught. Right. Like at least drive up the street or go to a different town to sell it. So yeah, he got caught. Like there's a trail. This is a little easier, but. Literally a half a block. Half a block. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, he has this little metadata trail following him right back to his computer. Like, hey, good job, George. Yeah. Four million dollars in the hole. Sorry to hear that. Um, did not get good advice. He didn't. No. He didn't call us. No. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> See what happens when you don't give us a call? Yep. I was looking at the streaming numbers. This thing is getting pretty sad. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you. Same question. How do we feel about uniform streaming rates as far as because if our listeners don't understand title apple google amazon whatever streaming platform they all pay different rates yep youtube being disgustingly low the lowest one and title being the highest 
how do we feel about a uniform rate? And just this is the how much it is per stream across the board, regardless of what platform. I mean, I feel I feel great about it if that would ever happen, but um, I don't see that happening unless you get into like a collective bargaining situation where all of the services get together, form a union of some sort, and then argue. And it, it's kind of moving there, right? Because you got the Music Modernization Act, and and there's now there's legislation that was passed that is going to increase royalties to artists, increase revenue to artists by over 40% over the next five years, and so which is a great thing, right? But increase it to what, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, Eddie, you made a, a good point earlier. If you're only making, you know, a thousand bucks off of, what, two million? Two million streams. Two million streams on YouTube gets you about a thousand bucks. But and they increase title is a hundred thousand streams yeah gets you a thousand okay so i mean but that's still a lot right that's i mean but you can i i see a lot more artists hitting that 100k mark for sure with songs because now that's just one song that you're getting a thousand i see more of them hitting that mark than a two million two million two million, two million views song. right and youtube is the most popular platform yeah. for music right now and so i mean so their argument is well you're you're getting more viewers and they're gonna you're getting, you're just going to get more consumption on our platform because we've got more people and that's going to help your brand and blah, 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 blah. But my point is that if they're increasing the amount, that's great. But if the, if they're increasing it from a horrible amount to start out with 40% more, isn't really going to do anything. You're still going to need a second job, you know, as an artist. So I, I think you got to look at raising that rate, just like a minimum wage to a point where it's palatable for everybody. Everybody should be able to make money. The platform should be able to make money. The labels, publishers, and the artists, of course, should be able to make money from it. There's enough there. The revenue keeps going up in music. Consumption of music goes up every year. It's a crazy amount of hours of music that's consumed every year. I forgot how many billions of hours by people around the world. And everybody keeps investing in more music. It's easier to put more music out. So there's, there's enough demand there's enough money everything in the market shows that there should be enough for everybody it's just striking that balance which is a lot easier said than done yeah with this free market people aren't gonna want to yeah sit down and come to the table on this because i'm wondering like how are you going to value a spotify stream more or less than a title stream it's still the same music still being pretty much essentially on the same type of platform. I mean, they try and say there's sound quality differences sure. on these, but it's still the same file that's being sent to all these different platforms. Then now we're going to put a different value on it just because of where you're getting it from. It's like, I don't, I, I look at it on this situation like, all right, we do need a uniform number here. And from the business aspect of it, I see how tough it can be for that to actually occur, but it needs to happen because unless we put this uniform rate out here, we're constantly going to have these YouTubes that are able to say, hey, we're the most popular. Because now they have the, they have the, in the power. They're the most popular. People enjoy their site. They're attached to Google. They don't really have to play ball like that. They're, they're fine where they're at. So it's almost like on the artists to educate themselves on these rates and to understand what's going on around them. And also, not even just on the money and revenue that they're missing out on, the data and the information that is being collected on your from from to these sources yeah. about your consumer that you don't know about. Well, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a cost benefit analysis really for an artist because 
I was speaking to an artist today, and her plan is to make uh, a bunch of videos and use a good chunk of a budget that she got to make these videos. And I, and it's a, like a personal vision for her, and I get it, and I respect it, and it's totally up to her. It's not my money. But she's never going to make that money back from YouTube, ever. You know I mean? Like, it'll take her forever. I mean, she's a popular artist, but she's not getting 300 million views on any video that she does right now. So is it worth it to you as an artist to spend a bunch of money on a video knowing that you're not making your money on it? Or is it big enough of a, you know, a promoter of your work so people can see how cool you are, or how, you know, your style or whatever it is. And then that just generates more interest and you get bigger prices for shows and more streams on the other platforms. You got to look at all the facts and you got to talk to people that understand these numbers before you go out and spend a bunch of money. Don has a question, oh, a comment. Um, no, well... I do agree that uh, there should be some sort of control there, but um, I do understand that free market, man. Like, yeah, you know, businesses being able to decide what they want, but it will be up to the artist to, you know, not use that site or yeah. once another sh type of something something could come along that's better than YouTube, and then YouTube will be forced to change. So if they want to play ball like that. Then it's like, okay, well, your time will be up at some point. For sure. And, you know. Open competition. I mean, yeah. and all the platforms are trying, right? I mean, that, you know, Spotify integrated some sort of video. Yeah. With you got a video on Apple. Apple's getting into it. And Title's Apple. going crazy with streaming live events and all that. Right. They got videos on there. So, yeah. I can definitely. I'm looking at it from a perspective of like now. I'm a fan of Title. I'm going to just say it flat out. Like, Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, they <laughs> <laughs> they just do it right. Yeah, they do it right. So shout out to Jay Z, man. Going back to Jay Z always. Yeah, let's yeah. hope they stay in business. Yeah. So <laughs> I was reading the article on the numbers and all that, and they lose six dollars per user, and they've each year lost like twenty six million. Yeah. So he's in it doing this thing, taking a loss. I mean, I'm pretty sure they have a plan set for well, them yeah. to be able to get their money back in the long term. But just the fact that they're taking a loss now yeah. on it shows i guess but yeah i mean that's common for big business right so i mean amazon wasn't even profitable until a couple of years ago because they just keep spending the money and spending the money but amazon's business model made a lot more sense than a music streaming platform right so with title i mean that's not that's not jay-z's money anymore at this point they've got investors from all over the place spotify's the same way they got investors they went public you know that that money just helped them continue to expand and buy up more properties and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that they're making a profit either though, at this point, you know, so everybody's just, it's just a horse race. Like you just keep throwing more money into it and hope that you get a bigger share of the market. Just taking it down to old town road. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it back. But, but we got to be in ownership. Well, we got to talk to these artists also about owning their content and understanding that too. And like, also creating different platforms for their consumer to come to directly. Like we've gotten away from the artist's website where yeah. you would go directly to their site to get the merch, to get the music and all this. And now we're just relying, they're relying on all these third party platforms. It's like, let's get back to, all right, you want to get hear about my shows? You want to hear about, come to the website or even if making, creating your own app yeah. for your artists to download. I know Tyler, the creator had that going on for a second where, 
he any new video that came up came through the app, and it's like I liked where it was going. I just don't think he put any more energy behind it. But right. that's it's the tough. idea. You it's know? tough to to sustain that. I mean, Chance did that too, right? With yeah, we had Chance Raps like it was a ChanceRaps.com or yeah. something like that, and he was. It's the only place to get it. But you just got it back to what Don said in terms of leverage. Like you just got to have that leverage to get people to come to your site and not go to Spotify or not go to Apple. With, with Spotify, though, Spotify is constantly in hot water. Yeah, aren't they in trouble again? The or... artist community. I mean, I, they're, you know, I don't know that they're in trouble. Like, they're going to get sued again. I mean, I'm the sure headline they... headline said, you failed us. You failed us. <laughs> you <Wow>. used us. <laughs> but, it, I mean... You know I, it's coming from songwriters. So right. You know, they were like, prolific with this. For <laughs> sure. This was well written. But there was a letter written by, like, 90-plus um, top writers in the music industry who were also identified as Spotify geniuses, which was a marketing plan by Spotify to bring attention to those writers behind the scenes that were these songwriters on huge songs that you don't necessarily know who were super successful on the platform and that they were, Spotify was there to help them and bring them notoriety and make them more money and, you know, just be on their team, right? And then Spotify and Amazon and Apple Apple didn't. No, not Apple. Yeah, Amazon, and but there was somebody else did too. Amazon, Google, and Pandora. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's Spotify. Oh, no. Who owns Pandora now? Sirius. Sirius, Sirius and Pod. Yeah. So the MMA comes out, this 40 plus percent increase in royalties over the next five years, giving the artists back, these songwriters back, or giving them some more money for, for the work that they've been, you know, getting kind of cheated on over the last however many years and spotify says nah i don't think so <laughs> i'm, not with, I'm not with that 40 40 plus percent and they appeal um and they're bringing filings it's not a lawsuit but they're appealing the government's action and it'll go through congressional hearings and all of that and so <laughs> the the hypocrisy there is like hey we we love you guys and we're here for you but just don't make. This, but this forty-four percent, yeah, we're but, not with. We're, it. we're not okay with. So that. you like you, so that's what they're saying. We feel used because you got these songwriters going out to the community saying, "Hey, Spotify loves you. Spotify's with us," and then they turn around and say and show with their actions that they're not actually yeah behind them. You might as well just say like, "No, we're not with you. Thank you for creating our business and and our awesome offices and parties and and all that." And keep making music because this is the only place that people are going to go to to listen to it. But like, we're not going to pay you any more money. Is there a term for that type of business that you're in where you don't own any of the assets that you make your money off of, like the Ubers and the Spotify's? Where it's like, we don't own any cars, but we're number one in transportation. Yeah, we don't own any of this content, but oh, we're number Airbnb one in music. and stuff. Yeah, like that, like, yeah. there's got to be a term for well, that. Well, yeah, that's. Um... Ah, there is. There's a very tech term for that, for user-generated content and user user-owned yeah. uh, applications, something like that. I'm not getting it exactly right, but yeah. So that's just the thing. They're like, a facilitator. These, yeah, and these facilitator sites, they're like, yes, they're in power, but just artists remember who's driving these. Like, if there is no music, there is no Spotify. So true. Just the, <laughs> just know where your power is when it comes to these things. And understand that we're just in a situation where there's not enough powerful artists to make that stand. We have so many artists that want to make it that they're like, 
constantly going, all right, I have to go on YouTube, I have to go on Spotify. Yep. That's the only way I can make it as opposed to stepping back and being like, okay, I can create my own following and generate people to come, have my consumers come to me. Because right now, if we look around and see that data is the most important thing in business, artists need to be able to collect that and understand who their consumer is because these sites aren't sharing that with them right now. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's just a balance, right? Like, why f I, I wouldn't spend my time fighting against these platforms or taking my music off of it. it. I mean, maybe if I'm, you know, like Taylor Swift did that or if you're somebody that big to make a statement, make some noise and try to affect some change. But if you're, you know, you're a semi-successful artist, don't take your stuff down. Just realize, like, you're not going to get rich from that. It's not like the old days where, you know, you're selling 50,000 copies of your album and you're making a decent living from it. 50,000 streams and you're not getting bubkiss, I think is a term of art. Uh, I think you're not getting <laughs> is probably a little more accurate, <laughs> but my mom's probably listening. I don't want to get cussed out again for that. Gotcha. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a medium to get your music out there and then use that to make money elsewhere. I can dig it. All right. I'm glad. <laughs> no, I'm vibing. <laughs> so, uh, man, it's been a good time. Are we we're, we're done. What time? How long have we been going? <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, I oh. feel like we, this is a good time to stretch your legs. Yeah, was I was like press pause. Don hit me with some baseball signs. I didn't know if that was. We were like over going budget. crazy, but oh yeah, overtime, over budget. Overtime. I, I like you guys. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, we can always talk. Let Let's talk about. Let's talk about something. We, we we have this fine line that Eddie and I have to walk because we run into situations every day and we are lawyers and managers and do all sorts of other things. But like as a lawyer, there are endless stories that we can tell about clients that may not put them in the best light in terms of decision making or understanding. And part of the reason we want to do this and continue to do the podcast and why we've done other things in our careers from teaching to writing and all that kind of stuff is to educate artists so they don't get screwed over and so they can fight against the industry standard and all that. We can't use names. We can't, I don't just don't want to put anybody on blast and just like, man, this guy's an idiot. And I don't know if anybody's going to listen to us, but I, I don't know. I want to hear what you think. But for me, the number one thing where people just do not understand, and we've talked about it. And I think every podcast that we've done so far is publishing just yeah. just not understanding the rights that you have the rights that people have once they sign what it means in the long run how you make money from it like they just don't get it yeah i think because there's so many people throw so many different terms around different percentages that they they're just not grabbing the the different shares and what they actually their input is, okay, so from this composition, how much of this do I actually own? And then it's, okay, now they see the number, but what does that mean? What right. does it mean that I have a 10% writer share of this this record? When, so it's more of, let's say, and it's on us to create a different approach to actually educate them on what this looks like. I don't know, because through my research, I don't see many charts that actually break it down from like, this one dollar and then from that dollar breaking it down to say okay this is the different revenue streams right. that have gen generated this dollar okay this is the percentage and this is where they go yeah, but yeah they just 
Because, I mean, as a lawyer, it took me some time to... For sure. ...to grab it. They don't teach yeah. you this in no. law school, for sure. <laughs> they teach you, like, the intellectual property, but they don't go into, like... Why why, why publishing is really 200%? I mean, it, w w what is that? How can you have 200% of something? The max is 100. So yeah, how do you like, get so to 200? How are we doing this 200? I, I, I'll give a shout-out to Ajay Gosain, who's a lawyer also in Chicago. He's to work with publishing uh, professor, too. And... Uh, He's just a funny dude, and he used to try to explain it as having two pies, right? You got your writer's pie, and you got your publisher's pie, and nobody touches the writer's pie. That's the writer's. Don't put your finger in that thing. That's the writer's <laughs> pie, right? Publisher, you're going to have a bunch of people eating from that, right? So it is a good way to sort of look at it, where there's 100% to the writer and 100% to the publisher. And if you're unpublished or you're self-published, which is the same thing, you own both. Both those pies are yours, and you can eat from both of them. When you sign a publishing deal, typically 50% of your publishing pie is getting eaten by the publisher, right? So that means a dollar comes in for publishing, however that comes in, whether it's performance royalty or mechanical royalty, royalty you're taking 50 cents because you have 100% of the writers, and you're taking 25 cents from the publishing, and the publisher is getting 25 cents. So you got 75. You got 75 cents. Publisher getting 25. 25. Right? And that that's it. Like, that's how the money breaks down. So, But then that's where we're only talking the co-pub deal. So right. That's There's several iterations of, yeah. of that. There's admin deals where you're just giving up 10% or you're giving up of that publishing, publishing side. Because right? nobody touches nobody the writer's touches the writer side. Now, technology and innovation have introduced new companies that will buy out your writer's side, sell it on the open market. There's a company called Vest, some of our clients have been involved in, where you can, you can sell your writer's share. There's also like famous people that have been down on their luck that have sold 100% of their publishing. And Coolio is one of those guys. Coolio. Yeah. Right? Wow, Everybody knows I Coolio. Heard that name in a while. <laughs> Please. You were bumping that when we walked in here. <laughs> I definitely heard Gangsta's Fair. <laughs> Maybe was tomorrow a... morning it'll be on. Yeah. I thought it was Weird Al's version. Hey, you know, uh, these smart speakers, if you got one in here, we're going to probably walk in and Gangsta's Paradise will be playing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll see uh, something on my phone later. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, the, the yeah, there's several different ways of splitting up the publishing side of it, but then it's also now with with the the commonality of going into a, a studio with another top line writer and a producer, maybe two producers, maybe another writer for lyrics. Like you're splitting that publishing up so many different ways, and publishing deals are written to confuse people, and so just even satisfy your publishing deal so you can get out of it or you can deliver enough music or you can recoup from it. You got to be writing songs all the time and those songs need to be released. And sometimes they need to be released by major artists and sometimes they need to be part of an album versus a single. There's so much that goes into it. And it's just, I mean, it, you, you need somebody to explain it. It's like if I went into a mechanics shop I know where the engine is on the car, but like I, I, I couldn't take it apart. I couldn't put it back together, and I wouldn't know how it worked. So just because you think you might know what publishing means, it's not something that you can just pick up or you can read an article and, and understand it.
It's definitely one of those things where you actually have to work through different scenarios, too, if you're not understanding it. Because you can read the contract and and understand grammatically how much, I guess you could say, what's laid out there, but not actually see how it works. So, yeah, you have to now put yourself in different scenarios where, okay, I have two producers, a songwriter. What do those splits look like? What is that look? And playing that out and then actually putting those numbers in place as opposed to just saying, Okay, I see what it says. I got 25% of the song. Cool, you know. So right. it's that, that visual aspect for our creatives, I think, will help them grasp this, this concept a little bit more. Yeah, Just ask questions, you know. Yeah, hit us up at the, Eddie the, at Industry Standard Podcast. What was that? What was that? <laughs> Isn't it Eddie at Industry Your Standard? Your name is Eddie. That's yeah, correct. I'm Eddie. At the, the Industry Standard. The Industry com. Yeah. Yeah. And Josh at theindustrystandardpodcast.com. Yeah. We're going to get you in there, Don. Don't worry. No, yeah. that's cool. Get you all a right. little. You know, he's like, there's no more emails because all they're going to do is send you stems. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, no questions. But, hey, man, how does this sound? Like, right. <laughs> like, yeah, let me know when you're done with that mix. Wait, <laughs> so today, uh, my father runs like a guy right program out in the South Suburbs. So I went and talked to the kids at Jefferson Middle School. So it was like seventh and eighth graders. Uh, so going in, from other people, they're like, man, you got to talk to these kids, got to talk to these kids. Oh, a lot of them just want to be rappers and ball players. All they want to do is rappers and ball players. So they thought I was going to go in there and tell them, no, guys, you need to become lawyers like me. Right. And I went in there and ex- did the exact opposite. I'm like, oh, so you want to be a ball player? Okay. Uh, are you waking up at 5 a.m., making sure you're getting jump shots? Are you lifting weights? Are you ready? Oh, you want to be a rapper? How's your poetry? Yeah. What are you doing in English? What's your, liter- what's your literature game like? And just had to flip. So you made you made these like eight year olds cry. No, just giving them like <laughs> instead of deterring them from yeah. trying to do this, show them like, what it takes. If this is what you want to do, actually go for it. And I'm like, we got to get away from the aspect of like, especially with youth telling them like, no, that's isn't achievable something that's become... not attainable. Yeah, yeah. like it is. You just got to work for it. So because some of them, kids like, no, I, I'm just trying to make money. Actually, like once he learned what I was talking to, he was like. You know, like, I really don't, I'm just trying to make money. I see them making money. I'm, I'm like, well, that's a different thing now. So now you can get into be, right. understand business and go into to finance, things like that. He's like, ah. Yeah. So it clicked. Yeah. yeah so. Shed a little Man, light on the real work that needs to be done. Doing, doing those type of things. Doing good all over this city. Yeah, I'm just so happy to talk to the kids, man. I felt Eddie good. Eddie Sanders. <laughs> Nice. We love the kids. <laughs> but all you know right. what's hilarious? These kids asked more questions than when I spoke at Northwestern. Yeah, yeah that doesn't surprise they're me. Like, yeah, well, no, yeah, Northwestern, they're so burdened by their large brains and yeah, they just... and their student loans. And, yeah. Hey, I got love for Northwestern. My nephew uh, graduated from there. So, so. I mean, cool, my, my wife did. I, it's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with it. I'm just big, saying. I love the big brains that gonna come out of Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool, but shout out uh, Jefferson Middle School. Those kids are cool, man. Well, nice. Yeah, and uh, wait, before we get out of here, um, we have, wait, I'm trying to think of a holiday that we got for, for Song Pitch. Uh, Easter. Easter. Easter, yeah. What a better <laughs> way to tell that favorite bunny rabbit in your life that Christ is resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have a Je- Jesus risen song of some sort. Yeah, you can go you gospel. Gotta... You can get any genre. Yeah, we put it together at songfitch.com. 
man, you got that job. Hey, man. The voice of song finish. Hey, thank you guys for sticking with us, listening this whole time. Hopefully, hopefully uh, we gave you some education, gave you some insight on something that you didn't know beforehand. Um, stay around. Spread up. the word. Yes, definitely spread the word. Like, share, comment, whole thing. Episode 5 coming soon. Peace.